Productions. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John Nothing Doe. You would honestly think with the amount of episodes I've done, I'd be sick of hearing my own voice introducing me. Welcome to the show, folks. We always have a special show for you. And today is no different. Today I have a special guest, someone that's reached out to me and I was actually thinking about reaching out to them. We have a lot of mutual contacts. We have at least one. And this mutual contact I hold near and dear. And I'm pretty sure that my guest also does hold her near and dear as well. We have on the show today, Adam Stogsdill. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So you have a pretty storied history and we were talking a little bit off air before I had you on. And uh, wow, incredible stuff you've got going on in your life. And I just want to kind of break it down. So well, let's start from the beginning, if, we, if you uh, wouldn't mind. You're a little kid and uh, your family does something very special. They're uh, your fifth generation musician. Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I grew up in Missouri, a little bitty town, probably about five or 600 people. My grandfather and my father, grandfather on my mother's side, all play instruments. Um, my grandfather actually started teaching me when I was about 10. Uh, I actually had a guitar. I tuned it all in D, laid it on my, on my lap and played with my thumbs for a long time. But oh, wow. I learned how to play the chords and started picking up how to play. Uh, my father, he was a harmonica player. So I, I got into uh, a bit of harmonica and some woodwind instruments. And then once I got into uh, elementary and high school, I started playing brass and, and a, a few uh, string instruments, of course. But uh, I really just kind of went with it. Even into once I got out of high school, my first year in the Marine Corps, I actually uh, found a place in my first duty station that would allow you to rent instruments. And so I've got myself now to where I played just about 500 or a little over 500 instruments. 500 instruments. That's impressive. I can barely play one. <laughs> so what is your favorite, let's say top five instruments that you like to play there, Adam? Oh man, top five. So guitar is absolutely number one, but then you kind of have to break that down. So six string acoustics, probably my favorite 12 string after that. I, I play the banjo. I really like the, the sound of it. Um, probably the piano, the harmonica and, uh, Probably some percussion instruments. I, I really like the didgeridoo. Wow. Like I said, I can barely play anything, let alone the fact that you can play 500 and have a top five. So what, what is your favorite song to play? Uh, I actually write my own music. So I've, I've wrote one for my wife. Um, it's, it's one of her favorites, and it's, uh, it's my favorite as well. And I have a, uh, a website. It's at ReverbNation.com backslash GrayWolf22 if you ever want to check it out. All right, so Grey Wolf 22. Okay. That's right. We got you there. Okay, so we're going to definitely check that out. Maybe we'll be able to put that in the information of the podcast so the people that are interested would be able to take a look themselves. So That would uh, be great. And the song's called I Can't Stop. And you what? Sorry, say that again? The, the name of the song is I Can't Stop. I Can't Stop. Sounds like a story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so... Here you are, you're playing these instruments, you're really loving music. What makes you want to join the Marine Corps or the service? Well, my, my father was in the Marine Corps, and uh, as 
a graduate of high school in a very, very small town. There's not very many jobs. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of wanted to do my country proud. I've, I've always been raised as a patriot. So I, I decided to uh, give it a shot. And I, I started out as, in supply as a warehouseman. And by the time I got to my second duty station, they were like, no, we don't, we don't need that. We, we need somebody who can, uh, who can defend this country. So they trained me to be a force recon scout sniper. Wow. The training for a sniper must have been absolutely nuts. Did you want to elaborate on that training? Oh, sweet. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I was able to do, uh, not really the MOS, but I was actually trained in as a security team leader. And we went to, I was in, on Camp Pendleton, California, and we went to a lot of the machine gun training, the sniper training, rifle training, pistol training. We also did like a three-day crawl, which is basically you, you put yourself in a ghillie suit, you have your sniper rifle, and the object of the, the three-day crawl is to not get caught. Um, they, they give you a start point and a stop point, and you have to pretty much be the, the last of the last in, the, in your group that doesn't get found. And uh, I got third place on that one, so I was, I was pretty happy with myself. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, it almost sounds like that show Man Tracker, in a sense, is kind of the way I was envisioning it. Am I wrong? It's very much like that. Um, you're, you're crawling through the mud, the gunk. Uh, the, the the weeds and uh, of course in California there's a lot of uh, c- conservation areas so you have bison and uh, diamondback rattlesnakes which we actually in- encountered firsthand. <laughs> oh geez, I can't even imagine. I uh, like I think in Ontario we have one poisonous snake, uh, a period, and then the rest of the snakes are not poisonous. But still, I think I've only ever seen one roaming around like maybe twice in my life kind of strange right i'm kind of sheltered <laughs> it's kind of crazy to wake up and you got one licking you in the face and you, you can't really move <laughs> Yeah, no but kidding. uh yeah we, we we got into a position where we were kind of outside of our, our our lines a little bit but uh they, they told us yeah if you get into that area you're probably gonna either see a snake or or be confronted by one and, and sure enough we we found a, a, a nest of them so we had to wait till the sun came up to kind of heat the area and make them move so we could get out of there but fun times <laughs> i wouldn't even know what to do in that point <laughs> i think i'd be shitting myself let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> so you learned how to become a sniper and then like take me back i have a buddy that used to be in the in the u.s service but obviously in a different branch so when you join the service you join as like infantry and you move up from there and then you can apply to be a Marine. Is this correct? Well, actually you go through boot camp, and that's when you become a Marine. And then you have a MOS that you are kind of assigned as you're going through. Uh, you take what's called the ASVAB, which is an aptitude test to kind of see where you best fit. And my aptitude test when I originally took it was before boot camp. I was basically set to either become a driver or a warehouseman. Um, once I got in and got into my first duty station, I did a secondary ASVAB, which was more in tune to what we were doing at my first duty station. And my numbers were co- almost completely opposite. When I first did it, I got like a 45, which is pretty low. And then once I took the secondary one, it was well into the 90s. So they're like, well, what happened the first time? I'm like, well, I was a young kid and didn't care. <laughs> Yeah. So now that I'm here, I, I care a little bit more. And so they, uh, they said, well, we're going to, we're going to leave you in, in supply, but your next duty station, they, they may want to at least train you and not actually change your MOS, which is just your, your, your occupational service. So once I got there, I did some administrative stuff. I was a training NCO, which 
which basically I was in in charge of promotions and that kind of thing. And then once that was through, they're like, yeah, we, we would rather have you as an infantryman and we'll take that as far as we can take it. So as I'm doing the fire training um, they're like you know you can shoot really well you're very good at leading so we're going to train you up as high as we can go wow that's uh that's a very big compliment considering how they i i wouldn't say view you but how they positioned you when you first got in the door yeah absolutely it was the, the first duty station was kind of a trial and error you know i was, I was trying to become uh, the best supply person i could be which within nine months of being there i was secondary uh warehouse chief so it I, I had some good ideas and I, I kind of played dumb going into it. I, was a, you know, I decided to kind of show how smart I actually was. It was good in some aspects and other aspects that kind of got me into situations I didn't really want to be in. But 100%. Uh, all in all, I'm, I'm very proud of my, my service. So let me ask you something. I know this is more to do with service still, but we'll get into the, the bulk of why we have you here on the show today there, Adam. What, oh, sure. what, what is the, how do you keep yourself from being distracted? Do you find that it's the way you're trained so you're able to identify and keep yourself focused at what's presently at hand or do you find that while things are going on you find yourself just as much lost and thought of as in in terms of like what's happening at home you know how's my family and stuff of that sort i i think it's a learned trait more than it is a trained trait um but the, i mean some guys can can teach themselves everything from meditation to you know just kind of finding something else to focus on. Of course, when you're in a, in a combat situation, that's really the only focus because it's, it's such a uh, high intensity uh, situation. So it, you almost lose the, the focus on everything else. Like, you know, what's going on at home, your family life and that kind of thing kind of, it doesn't disappear altogether, but it just kind of goes into the fog of what you're, you're having to deal with. And even in training, you know, some of your training is just so intense that those things kind of become forgotten for a moment just so that you can absolutely focus on that you know you become laser focused on what you're doing a lot of these outlets that i've i've found over time my music my art um that's kind of the thing that gets me situated before i go into those things to kind of get me focused that makes sense and would you say and there's no harm no foul you don't have to answer this question that after you've had your honorable ch discharge right would you yes. do you recommend it to people a lot of people to that this is something they should try or is this something like, you know, make sure you're prepared for it kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, over, over the years I've, I've kind of changed my, my answer on this, but overall I, I really do believe every man, every woman should do at least two years. They don't have to go see combat. They don't have to, you know, put themselves in an infantry type training or situation. I don't believe, but I, I feel like the military service, it helps build discipline. It helps with, you know, trying to become focused so that you can get a better career. I, I just feel like it's, it's almost like going to a, a primary school and learning a trade or, you know, something that they can do for the rest of their lives. I feel like that instills you with honor, courage, commitment, um, being able to just be a better person overall. If you're a messy teenager coming out of high school, you're going to probably be that way as an adult. You don't get that opportunity in the military. You have to be pristine and clean and everything has to be organized. So it helps those that don't have those skills to, to obtain them. Very well. I would be a lot less messy if I had joined the service here in Canada, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So you said you have some art, like you like to do some work. What are the, what are the type of things that Adam likes to do art-wise? Absolutely. I, uh, I, I do some drawings. I like to use uh, like alcohol-based ink 
I'm, I'm a huge fan of Spider-Man. He's, he's one of the greatest icons I could ever try to emulate when it comes to, you know, just a, a young kid that got some type of super superpower and tons of responsibility. I feel like that's how my life has kind of went. You know, you, you give yourself a little bit of uh, encouragement to try something new and you get good at it. And now you have all this responsibility on top of it. But uh, yeah, I do some uh, ink drawings, some penciling. Actually, uh, we haven't really got into it yet, but I wrote a book and I've, I have some drawings in there that I did uh, using computer software. I took some pictures and just kind of sketched over them and then made them my own. Yeah, I do some painting. I, I I work with some Bob Ross back Bob in the day Ross. when I was younger. Love it. <laughs> I know that's going to get me some more fans on this podcast. Everybody loves Bob Ross. So. You know, that, that guy makes mountains better than anybody else. I have a buddy that uh, does it on his personal time. Like, I didn't even know Bob Ross was a thing. But there's a whole kit now oh, at uh, Costco. So it comes with everything, but... Uh, it comes with the, it comes with the canvas. It comes with the um, the holder for the canvas. It comes with all the paints. The, the draper, yeah. Yeah, it co- like I was. So he's like he invited me over to his house, and he's like, "Oh, you got to check this out." And I'm like, "What's going on?" And I have no idea that this guy likes to paint. I know he likes to play guitar, which is a weird parallel between you and him. But that's another story for another day. But uh, I go into his basement, sure. and and lo and behold. He's got all the spotlights all up on his uh, canvases, and he's like, oh, here's my mountain with snow on the top, and I brushed it this way. So I'm like, where did you learn this? And I look at, I look over to the right, and he has like a table or like a desk, and there's a Bob Ross DVD, and there's all everything is labeled Bob Ross, Bob Ross. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> the, the beautiful white man with a, a Afro perm. You, gotta, you, you can't miss it. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful, right? So actually – it's inspired me, but not enough to go pick it up. But I, I actually am, I am kind of interested in seeing if I can make myself a mountain in a lake. You know what I mean? Well, I may have to invite you to a birthday party because a few years ago I had a Bob Ross painting party. And we thought it was only going to be like two or three friends come over and just hang out, watch an episode and try to paint. No, it was the entire family. I had 25 people in my little living room painting and watching a Bob Ross episode. It was great. So you're the reason that uh, paint nights are now cre- uh, are now across the countries in bars everywhere yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing so okay so you you kind of touched on it so let's go into it you sir have made a book and it releases later in november and it's called jarvis now if i remember correctly you gave me a little bit of a synopsis it's a sci-fi about an alien worm who eats body fat and gives its host superhero abilities right there you've got me interested what are these superhero abilities? Are you allowed to tell me? Honestly, we, we haven't really got into the details in this first book, but basically whatever you can think of, you can do it. Um, Nate is the is the protagonist in this. His name is Nathaniel Hawthorne. I kind of went off with the uh, the writer there. Okay. But uh, Jarvis gives him the ability to fly. He can make him hulk out. He can get super strength. He can see through walls. Anything he can think of, he can do. But it doesn't always go 100% the way it should. It's kind of a nutty professor kind of thing. Sometimes when they, you know, join together, he gets a fat butt or long ears, you know, flabby arms. His face gets all Buddha look, you know, so there's always something going on that doesn't quite work out the right way. And that's what makes it funny. Interesting. What gave you the idea to make this book? Honestly, when I have a dream, they're very vivid and detailed. I can tell you about smells and colors and I almost have like a photographic memory of these dreams. And this is something 
I don't know if I just ate the wrong thing at the wrong time. I went to bed, but I had this full dream of this story. And uh, I woke up, and I'm like, I have to write this down. It's hilarious because I actually woke up giggling that morning. So <laughs> I have just kind of put a little bit more into it as, as the story kind of created itself. And uh, now it's it's a huge story. Uh, I'm, I'm planning on writing two more books to kind of add to this about, you know, Jarvis's background. And then I, I I've, all of the chapters are named with, food so by the time you get done you're hungry so i thought maybe after the third book i can make a recipe book along with it wow that's very creative i wouldn't even i wouldn't even have thought that far out myself so that's very uh very creative of you adam <laughs> so with this book here um it as we said it releases in november do you have any kind of plans for any kind of animated shorts or anything of that sort uh Honestly, I wrote this as the idea for a, a sitcom. I, I don't ever see it going that far. I, I have hopes that it might. Um, I kind of based it around Ryan Reynolds in the movie Just Friends. So there's a there's a lot of that sarcastic humor in it. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of 80s and 90s and 2000s, like TV and movie reference, some, some music references. There's little Easter eggs in there. So I hope everybody's kind of keeping an eye on it when they read the book because there's there's a lot of you know, little hints to old movies from the eighties and nineties and TV shows that we all loved as a kid. If you're, you know, in your thirties or forties, like I am. Ah, uh, yes. So now it may, my head's like spinning. The hamster's going. I'm wondering if like, we're talking like a little bit of X-Men kind of Easter eggs. Are we talking like Power Ranger Easter eggs? I'm assuming there's gotta be some kind of uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, sure. I, we're talking everything from the office if you're a Trekkie, Gilmore Girls, the uh, editor told me that it kind of gave them the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of vibes because you're you're kind of looking at it through Nate's eyes, but like in a past tense. So okay. it's it's very much he's kind of explaining things to you, but he's he's using a lot of references, uh, TV and movies and and the old school hip hop, uh, you know, 80s and 90s music as well. Is it safe to say that? this book you're you're just hoping to lift people's hearts kind of thing absolutely i the main reason i wrote this is it's a it was a way for me to kind of cope with my ptsd and it was a, a way to you know kind of give a little joy to everybody out there that's that's giving me joy and and those people that i don't know as well i, I had some friends read this thing they're like you have to get it published because it's going to give people just a, a little bit of a, a laugh and everybody needs that i can agree with that with your ptsd i don't want to skip past the book but I want to uh do you find yourself still suffering from it in, in an immense way or do you find that uh when you're making your books that it kind of like helps it subside or it gives it relief yeah it, it's almost like a tattoo it's never going to go away um I know it's there I can see it I can feel it but uh honestly it's the things that I've I've helped myself with uh, my music, my art, uh, my wonderful wife and of course being a devout Christian that, that definitely helps but uh yeah, I mean, still there. I still have my struggles from time to time. They're not near as bad as it was when I came back home in 2003. But uh, you know, it's it's been a long journey to kind of figure out what what things I can do to kind of you know curb that behavior or, or those feelings. Because you know, when I first got home, I, I had a, a bad chip on my shoulder. I was kind of an angry person, and now I don't I don't hardly ever get mad anymore. It, it I have all of these outlets that I can you know put that frustration into and. It, it's really helped. And I hope that, you know, that this story will help other people like realize that, you know, if you've got a talent, which everybody's got a talent, you can put that into something and, and make that a coping device for whatever you got going on. Sounds like you got a pretty good handle on this and you kind of talked or you alluded to the fact you're making two more of these Jarvis's 
But do you find your, do you have any other books that you're thinking about creating in the meantime, like how to cope or how you, the ways you've kind of coped with PTSD? You know, it's kind of funny. I didn't mention this to you, but uh, years ago, our church put out a book about uh, just, you know, people coping with, with bad situations or, or living through things. And it's based on God. Like, you know, you find yourself situated where you run to the end of your rope and you're not really sure what to do. Um, so it's called Expose and it kind of exposes seven stories out there. And then my, my story and my wife's stories in there, of course, they're, they're protected. They're, they use different names, of course. But I did go through something when I first came home where I, I tried to commit suicide. And I was at a point where I didn't believe in God. I, I wasn't trying to you know, process those things like I am now. And I just felt like I was at the end of my rope. I was going through my, the end of my first marriage. And so I I got to a point where I just needed an outlet and the church actually gave it to me by being able to write my short story of how I came through that suicide attempt and found God. And, you know, now I'm processing through with, with him in mind, him in the, the, the center and just kind of doing my own thing with my, my talents. And it's definitely helped a ton. Well, I'm sorry to hear about the the attempt, and I'm glad you didn't because I feel like you have a lot to offer. And, like, I mean, that's coming from someone that um, I've talked to you today and a couple of days prior to today, right? So I'm glad you didn't do that. I'm glad sure. that uh, you were able to get grounded and do whatever you needed to do in order to move along. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been to, to be around, you know, new, finding new people. Um, the new family that I have with my, my new wife, we've just celebrated our eighth year anniversary in September. And I, like I said, I can be happy. everything's working out perfect for me so far. So. so in your original marriage, did you guys have any kids or in this marriage, do you have any kids? I, I did in my, in my first marriage, I have a, a 22 year old and a 19 year old. Wow. Crazy. That means you had one year young. Yeah, my, my, my son Caleb, he's he'll be 22 in October, and uh, he's he's a good kid. He he likes uh, working with mechanical stuff. He's a, he's a mechanic, and uh, my daughter, she's going to school for uh, criminal justice, and she's 19. She's she's doing great as well. She's working and going to school and really pushing through. That's amazing. So you, you're dealing with all these different things. You got your books going on. What are some books that you like to uh, divulge in that kind of help you deal with your day-to-day life? Uh, the, the Bible, of course, but uh, I'm a, a big Dan Brown fan. I, I love how he creates such a a puzzle in his writing and, and brings you to the end of, you know, still kind of questioning what, what you actually read because there's so many different ways to look at those puzzles. He, he's done a great job. I like to read things about conspiracy theories and, and that things uh, – like Jesse Ventura's got a few books out there that I thought were kind of kind of weird, but in in a good way, and uh, just a little bit like Merlin series by T. A. Barron. I, I read a little bit, but I, I don't have as much time to, to to read as much as write these days. <laughs> and that's and that's all right. So going back to the Jesse Ventura thing, it's very interesting. Did you ever watch his his series Conspiracy Theory? I always thought that was a very interesting series. I, I did. I did. We started watching that uh when it first came out i, I was working with a, a group of freelancers that do uh military intelligence decoding and that was something that we were kind of looking at is you know this guy's coming out with some really far right crazy conspiracies that you know have never really truly been proven there's some documents here and there that kind of show what's going on but what's what's really happening and over the last few years we've actually got more proof that a lot of those things he talked about were 
we're correct or we're real. So that's kind of where I am on that today with a little bit of freelancing. We're decoding some of these things to find out that, you know, the government's not always doing what you think they're doing. That's fair. I think everybody kind of, oh, not everybody. I think a big part of the population probably agrees that the government's probably doing a lot more than we're aware of. Absolutely. Especially with what's going on here in Canada, but I won't go into the politics of that. (laughs) Yeah, I I try to stay away from the politics. I I don't want to get too... uh, too too mean too fast on on some things but uh honestly i i hope that the the plan that has been laid out um that we we see on our side with with our military you know good things are, are around the corner we just have to be patient i like to hear that that's great that's great news that goes for you guys too up north so that's that's positive because i feel like we could use a little love up here up north these days especially with what's going on <laughs> in our political climate if you will absolutely this book comes out in november would you say this is more rated for an, an, an adult or like a teenager or is this for everybody? Uh, I would say 18 plus. Uh, I try to keep it as clean as possible. I use a, a couple of curse words, the smaller ones, of course. Um, and there's some, a little bit of innuendo from time to time, just because it's, you know, eighties and nineties kind of put those in their, their sitcoms. You know, you watch these company, even from the seventies, you're like, wow, did he really just say that? Yeah. So I, I, I try to be safe by saying, you know, 18 plus on this, uh, but it's really kind of for the, let's say 25 to 55, anybody that's 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you know, the, the things from the TVs, the movies, um, if you remember them, it's, it's probably for you. What was your favorite uh, TV show of the 80s and 90s since we got this topic rolling? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I was a real big fan of the cartoons on Saturday mornings. Um, I remember like Mask. Yep. And uh, Transformers, GI Joe. Uh, some of the shows I watched was like Family Matters and Yep. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, we could go on for days. There's so many out there that were so good back then, and and even now I'm I've introduced my kids to those things, and you know my me and my wife we kind of reminisce on on some of these shows. So I, I can't really pick just one, honestly. <laughs> it's it's so funny, right? So my kids are a little bit younger; they're 12 and 8, and I'm showing them shows that I grew up with. And they're like, these shows are so much better than what we're watching, Dad. <laughs> they're not really fans of it. When they are watching TV, mind you, because most of the time it's their sport or it's YouTube. I don't know what, what you got going on, but YouTube seems to encapsulate everything in life for small children these days. Yeah, it seems like the, the older kids, the, the higher teenagers around here that the hang out with my daughter, they like the TikTok and not, not so much the YouTube, but they, the YouTube does influence them a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've pulled my daughter and she really likes the, the nostalgic of the old eighties and nineties TV shows and movies. Like I brought one out the other day called rad. It's a movie about BMX bikes. Yeah. And she was, she was actually excited about watching that one. Cause she's like, you used to do this when you were a kid. I'm like, actually I did it when I was a young adult too. I did some freestyle BMX. Uh, it's, it's just kind of neat to, to show them these, these old reel to reel kind of movies, you know, because they still got the, the little fur in the film, you know, it's not so crisp and clear like the 4k these days. So yeah, it's kind of exciting. Adam, what is one thing you can tell us about your book right now before we close this bad boy up? Um, actually it's, it's already out on the ebook. You can go to Amazon and you can get the Kindle version. It's only five ninety nine, And on November 28th, which is my wife's birthday, the paperback will come out and I hope everybody really enjoys it. The book is just absolutely done well by Book Baby. Um, they're the ones who helped me publish it. Okay. Yeah. And if you have if you have the opportunity to try to publish a book, they're they're the way to go. 
Um, honestly, the best thing I can tell you is have an open mind, have an open heart, and laugh hard. I appreciate that. Where can anybody find you if they want to reach out to you there, Adam? Uh, I'm on bookbaby.com. Uh, I actually used a pen name. I used my wife's maiden name. So it, the book is under Adam DeVault. Um, you can also find me on Amazon. That will be the best place to find the book. And uh, I'm on Telegram. I'm under Stogs at Telegram. Um, I'm not really on too much social media these days. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn at Adam Stogsville. Excellent. I really appreciate your time there, Adam. I think that you're an interesting individual. I, even though I'm not a member uh, of the USA, I appreciate your service because I know what you do does benefit us here up in the north as well. And I wish you nothing but luck in the future. And hopefully we can have you back on so we can talk about some of your other expansions to Jarvis. I greatly appreciate that, John. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. A wise person once told me nobody likes to tip, so that's why we go deep. Go Deep. Go Deep. Go Deep. This is Go Deep Productions. Thank you for listening to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at GoDeepThePodcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep. Go Deep.